Well, if you ever wondered what difference healthy marriages make in society, I'll give you an amazing uh, answer here in just a moment. St. Anthony, third century monk, though, said a time is coming when men will go mad. And when they see someone who is not mad, they will attack him saying, you are mad. You are not like us. It does seem like today the world has gone mad. And when you know we understand how Jesus calls us to live our life, it's very counter to what you see in the culture with fears and doubts and divisions. And so you often, you know, people look and say, you're not like us. Are you mad? But we're going to see some pretty amazing promises here about our life in Christ. As we have talked before, you know, it's not enough just to hear scripture. You know, you want to take time to, to read it, study it, memorize it, meditate on it. And the most important thing, though, is to apply it to your life. Back in 1956, the 84th Congress passed a joint resolution that declared the motto of the U.S. is in God we trust. And that was then required to be put on paper money, coin currency. It was signed into law by President Eisenhower. And Congress reaffirmed that in 2011. And, you know, the the promise there and the concept there and the call there to live in God we trust. We may, you know, see people not living like that. And you may not know that's the the motto of the U.S. by watching the media, but we want to live up to a standard here that says, you know, we do trust in God. And a lot of people are put off because they see hypocrisy. You know, there's an example that's one of the most you know, clear ones here of that. And in the last few years, we all remember, I'm sure, Bernie Madoff. Biggest Ponzi scheme in history he was running. Cost $50 billion. There were all these millionaires and, and well-known figures in the society that were investing with him. Thought he was this genius. And he had fooled people. What happened when the housing market collapsed in 2008, those millionaires said, I want my money. I want the cash. He had to come clean and say, I don't have any money. And here's the thing about Bernie Madoff, though. He was chairman of the NASDAQ. He served on boards in charities. He served on boards for hospitals. He was actively involved in a local, in a local synagogue. The consequence of his actions not just cost people billions of dollars. His business partner committed suicide. His son also committed suicide. And people looked on and saw this person living with this external picture where he looked like this upstanding person, but inside very dark. And that's an incredible and sad example of hypocrisy. But we all have to make sure that we're not living in hypocrisy. And we have to make sure that we're living in a place, you know, like Ralph Waldo Emerson said, guard your integrity as a sacred thing. And to say my integrity is a sacred thing. So I'm going to live not in hypocrisy, but in faithfulness to this calling in Christ. We're going to look at a verse here out of Galatians chapter 4. Paul was writing to the church in Galatia, which he started because they had traded trusting in Jesus for their salvation to now believing in religions that taught them they had to earn their way into God's favor. And Paul would say, you know, there's only one way to go to heaven, find salvation, and that's by the grace of God through Christ who died and rose again and, and takes our sin. But they had traded on that. And Paul said, listen, if somebody tells you a different gospel, even if an angel does, don't listen. But so many people there, they were, and they were seeking to get approval of other people by their good behavior. And so Paul says to them in chapter 4, verse 16, have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? He calls them out on the hypocrisy. And sometimes, you know, the, the truth that needs to be heard 
it, it goes so counterculture. And again, people may look and say, well, you don't think or act like us. Are you mad? But that's the call to live in Christ. You know, when Moses said he feels like a stranger in a strange land, those words could also be translated. I feel like an alien in a bizarre world. Craig Groeschel said it well, our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And our thoughts need to be on Christ and his life, his faith and his work in us, not on the fears and the doubts and the trying to gain approval. You know, Steven Spielberg, the director, the producer of things like Jaws, Jurassic Park, Indiana Jones, he's been involved in 100 plus movies. They've grossed $25 billion. But he shared as a child, you know, he was kind of an outcast and pushed around. He said, I was the last person to be picked for basketball and football and famously said I was even the last one to be picked for badminton. But his mom, she believed in him. And so she bought him a camera and she would take him on these day trips so he could film these videos. And, you know, he would take those videos and cut those, edit those, put them together and make these small movies. And he credits, you know, his mom believing in him, giving him a different way of thinking about life. And we need to have that same type of thinking about what's possible. John Knox, 500 years ago, said one man with God is always in the majority. So even if the crowd say, are you mad because you don't think like us, we stay in Christ and we know in him we have all the victory. I love the interview Ed Silvosa did. He shared this was what changed him in regards to believing in God and prayer. He wrote a book on prayer, and he said this was the moment, though, this incident really turned his life around. He heard about this rancher, and this rancher woke up, and his prized bull had died, was out in the field. And this rancher, you know, he went to church and he listened to stories and sermons about prayer, read the scripture and knew that the Bible talks about anointing along with prayer. And so he went into the house, got oil, went out to the field, anointed this dead bull, came back to life and it stood up. And Ed Silvosa went to interview because he didn't believe this story. And as a re- the rancher recounted the story to Ed Silvosa, you know, he said, I, I rolled my eyes and, and I said, you know, Probably what happened here is the bull had fainted. And he said this burly, you know, this rancher stood up tall, stepped towards him, and Ed said he got very scared. And he said the rancher looked him in the eye and said, young man, I've been a cowboy for over half a century. I know cows and bulls inside out. If I tell you it was dead, it was dead. Understood. And Ed Silvosa shared that was the turning point for him to say, you know what? I believed him. And why would God do such a miracle for this moment, for this person? The same reason he answers anybody's prayers to show us that his love is for us as high as the heavens are above the earth. So what difference does it make to live with integrity? For example, in marriage, what impact does it have in society? You know, Paul in Ephesians 5 talks about marriage and family, and he said this is a great mystery because it's a picture of Christ and his love for his bride. But in our culture, that's often mocked or downplayed. Traditional families, you know, they're, they're being painted as, you know, out of touch. But what is it when... Say a couple follows the biblical example of marriage. These are from the U.S. Census Bureau. 
percent of married couples with children live in poverty is nine percent. Percent of absent father households that live in poverty over forty percent. Now we want both those numbers to be zero, but married couples poverty level very low. Broken homes poverty level it's almost half. When Paul said this is a great mystery, you know, whether it's as a husband and wife to live in integrity, as a single person to live with integrity and follow Christ, it changes society, not just our lives and the family, but those around us. 90% of violent crime is committed by unmarried men. And yet society downplays the role of families that stick together. Mother Teresa said it well, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. How much are we a part of the family of God? Luke chapter 12, verse 7, Jesus says to the people, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. In this time where marriages are breaking up and people are lonely, there's you know mental illness and a lot of people sinking into depression and isolation, feeling nobody cares. Jesus says, understand this, God knows the very hairs on your head and each one is numbered. That's why we want to live with integrity, even if the world looks on and says, well, you're not like us. Are you mad? I love this here by Craig Groeschel. I invite you to write this down, but take on this belief, declare it out loud, make it a daily statement as you begin your day. But it's this, the world will be different and better because I served Jesus today. The world will be different and better because I serve Jesus today. You know, Van Gogh, back in the 1800s, painted 900 paintings. It's believed that perhaps only one sold called the Red Vineyard because that's the one we have his name and a receipt. You know, that painting sold for $82 million. But when he was alive, he didn't get a lot of acknowledgement as an artist. This caused him depression. He famously cut off his ear. And as a young man, he ended his life with a pistol. The rejection upon rejection he just couldn't take. And it's the same thing, you know, that people wrestle with today. They want to know, does anybody care? And we as believers need to live, experience, and share. He cares so much, he's numbered the hairs on your head. Paul himself, back to Galatians, were those who were abandoning their faith in Christ to try to earn their way to heaven and impress other people and get their approval. Verse 12, chapter 4, he says, I plead with you become like me. I plead with you, become like me. How was Paul living his life? He made it clear. I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live. The life I live is now Jesus living through me. That's what it is to follow Christ. Not about seeking approval, not about works, but saying, I no longer live. He liveth in me. Charles Swindoll writes something powerful to think about when we compromise integrity you want to mess up the minds of your children here's how guaranteed rear them in legalistic tight context external religion where performance is more important than reality fake your faith sneak around pretend you're spiritual train your children to do the same embrace a long list of do's and don'ts publicly be a hypocrite and practice them privately 
but never own up to it. Act one way, but live another. You can count on it. Emotional and spiritual damage will occur. So we want to be, as Paul says, to become as he was, as he followed Christ, counted all things loss to know Jesus more. There's a a great leadership principle that, that talks about the difference between living in aiming life at life like a shotgun or at life like a rifle. You know, a shotgun, we could say it's loud, has a lot of kick because of all the gunpowder, draws a lot of attention, but it's not very focused. And the pellets, they don't go very far. And that's like dabbling in life, dabbling spiritually, make some attention, like some loud noises, do some things to get approval. The rifle, though, it doesn't have all that kick. It doesn't have all that noise. But that single cartridge, that can travel one mile. Because the energy is not in hundreds of pellets, but in one piece of lead. And that's like having tremendous focus. Too many people are dabbling the loud noise that doesn't accomplish much. To make the real difference, we want to be focused, taking action, living for Christ. As Sophocles, the Greek philosopher, 500 BC said, heaven never helps the man who will not act. Our job is to believe and know our calling and take steps to fulfill that with integrity. To say I'm 100% responsible for my experience of life. Even when the hard road is there, to take the responsibility for that experience and say, what can I learn from this? Because other people out there are desperate to see our example so they can understand what it means to authentically follow Christ. Read a great article about a study that was done. A journalist went to Toyota and was walking around these plants and saw all, all these, you know, employees. They had this leather belt, a, a nice belt, and so they asked, you know, those are awful nice belts everybody has. How much do they cost? And the the manager said they're twenty dollars. And this journalist said that's a lot of people for twenty dollars. How much is that? And they said, you know, it's a hundred thousand dollars annually. And they said that seemed like a place to cut cost. And the manager said, here's the thing. We did massive studies on our workers. And if you drop one tool per day and you stop work to grab that tool and then you begin work again, everybody dropping one tool per day cost annually $100 million. And the leadership principle there is, you know, even the small things out over days, weeks, months, has a tremendous ripple effect, a tremendous impact. And so maybe it's making a small change today about moving out of the hypocrisy and saying, let me talk different to my spouse or my children. Let me live differently as an example to the people around me. Let me spend more time applying scripture and knowing God's promise of his presence at all times. You know, as the proverb says, fall down seven times, get up eight. That's the strength that we walk in day to day. That's the strength that we know in Christ because, again, the very number of hairs on our head are numbered. And if we've been like in Galatia and we've traded on that promise for trying to gain approval, trying to live life in doing religious stuff, may we come back to the simple but profound and necessary truth to say, 
I'm crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I trust he is living his life in me, through me, and my salvation is in his capable hands, not my faulty hands. You know, Mark Merrow, he's a retired championship fighter, but at one time he had this extreme struggle with addiction. He actually lost 30 friends to overdoses in, in one year. And he's now a minister and goes around the world to encourage people. But he says it so well. He says, your current trial is your future testimony. And everybody's facing trials now, whether it has to do with what's going on with the lockdowns and the virus or whatever else it might be. Trust in Christ that that trial, he's going to work through that. And eventually make that your testimony and my testimony. Many people remember Terry Fox back in 1980. The young man in Canada, he had lost his leg to cancer. And he wanted to encourage other people. As a believer in Christ, he wanted to raise money for research, but at the same time bring a spotlight on people facing illness so they could find encouragement from other people He also wanted to be an example that you can do things people think you can't do. And so on an artificial leg, he was going to run across Canada. And he was running 24 miles a day, tremendously painful, very difficult. He ended up running a total of 3,339 miles. Unfortunately, he was getting ill during the run. The cancer that he was fighting was overtaking him. And in the end, he did lose the battle to that cancer. But he's somebody that had that rifle-like focus to change the world. He wasn't somebody that dabbled in life. And, you know, he passed away running across Canada. But his story doesn't end there. You know, we are now almost 40 years after that year when he made that run. The whole world watched what was happening. They cheered him on and people were broken, you know, when he died. But now 40 years later, what happened when Terry Fox died is people didn't begin to run in Canada. They began to start marathons in 60 different nations all in his honor and people run marathons to to help collect money for more cancer research and total now collected from these marathons 750 million dollars all because of one person who said I'm going to live In a way, let my life be laid down on behalf of others so they can see the promise of Christ. There's coming a time, that time is now, when people literally will go mad. And when they see someone who is not like them, they will attack that person and say, you are mad because you're not like us. Not being like the world is our call. But we need to be an example to the world. 
to recognize one man with God is always in the majority. One woman with God is always in the majority. And live our life with fidelity to that calling and truly say, the world will be different and better because I served Jesus today.